Okay. Ooh, I feel so fancy with this mic. You'll hear this story and you'll also be gaining knowledge when you listen to it on how to do these things. I realized that like my concern was really just what people were going to think of my decision and oh my god she's crazy what is she doing she's not you know she's supposed to be pursuing a career this is when she's supposed to be finding a job and I that doesn't appeal to me that yeah. never appealed to me. Play a major role in spreading the love and the joy and uh, reducing our imprint you know for for future generations and for all that we share this planet with. I was just embarrassed. I felt like I couldn't do it, like I'd already failed. I had no idea what I was doing. What did I get myself into? What was I thinking? Our history of humanity really revolves around great people. And that's, that's all we know about. And why is that? It's because the insignificant people weren't important enough that somebody would take the time to document their life. All right, Kim, welcome to the podcast. I am excited to have you on. Um, we're sitting outside six feet apart. Have our masks in hand in case we need them, but like I was telling you, this is the first time I've done podcast in person for a long time, so this will be really fun. Um, but we have a few things to talk about today. We're going to talk about vegan travel a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about how you're feeling with everything going on and your art and also about your podcast, which is kind of funny to do a podcast episode about someone else's podcast, but people will soon understand why. Um, so can you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Yes, I can. And thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. Um, so... A little bit about me, um, such a loaded question. I know. <laughs> it's like, what do you say? <laughs> uh, well, my name is Kim Beller, and I I think the, the basic things, I'm a mom. <laughs> I have two, two daughters, and I um, am married to my husband of 20, almost 26 years, which wow. sounds so crazy to me, um, but... Luckily, we're still best friends, so I'm happy about that. And and you can feel that when you're here. Oh, out. good, 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 good. Um, and we recently moved. I'm, I'm a Wilmingtonian, so I grew up in Wilmington and spent pretty much my whole life there until about two and a half years ago. We moved to the Hudson Valley um, for my husband's work. And then um, in May, we moved here to the mountains of North Carolina and I absolutely love it here. I feel like uh, this is home. And even though I'm a beach girl and I will always have salt water running <laughs> through my veins, I feel really at home here in the mountains and really grounded and um, just feel really blessed to be on this land, um, especially at this time. Yeah. And um, there's a lot more about me, but that's maybe the gist of it right now. <laughs> yeah, and that's what will come through in the rest of the yeah, episode. Yeah. Uh, I just like to hear what people say, because it is such a loaded question. I know. But I like to hear what people think, you know, are the most important things to share about themselves. Mm -hmm. So, thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank um, you. How are you feeling right now, just with everything going on? Um, I don't always ask people this on the podcast, but I feel like you're super intuitive and open about, you know, feelings and have a lot of wisdom so 
Yeah. If you want to share with us how you're feeling about everything going on. Um, well, that's another loaded question, and it's a good question because I think it's important for us all to acknowledge how we're feeling right now, mm-hmm. and I think it's there's so much going on, so it's like, how do I feel about the coronavirus? How do I feel about um, the political climate? Mm-hmm. How do I feel, you know, there's a lot of things that I could have the big feels about. Yeah. Um, I feel really hopeful, to tell you the truth, and... I have to say I've kind of felt hopeful all along, but some somewhat in a guarded way, but I feel a little more hopeful now, and I'll just be honest, like after the election, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I feel like we saw a lot of, well, we saw democracy at work, and we saw people coming out and using their voices and their vote, and what I saw was, for me, it felt like people were saying, we're ready for some unity. We're mm-hmm. ready for some love. We're ready for some some kind rhetoric. Um, you know, that felt good. And clearly, things are still kind of weird. <laughs> a little bit of a mess. A um, little bit of a mess. And it's, it's unprecedented because it's something we've never seen. I've never yeah. seen this in my lifetime. I don't even know that, that there's ever been anything like this before, you know. Um, just all of the weird political stuff. But that... Anyway, I feel a little more hopeful after the election. Um, as far as COVID, I feel I've had mixed emotions, mm-hmm. and I, and they've been kind of all over the map, to tell you the truth. So when COVID first started, we were living in the Hudson Valley, and Lacey was coming just for a visit on the train from Manhattan up to see us in our little town of Beacon, and she was just going to stay a couple of days, and she got there March 11th, and it ended up being like, whoa, we're not feeling like you need to go back to the city. Yeah. It, it just happened overnight almost where it just got kind of out of control and scary, and we didn't feel good about her going back. So she has been with us since March 11th. And that's your daughter? My youngest daughter. For people who don't yes, know. Yes, <laughs> my youngest sweetheart, Lacey. And, um, and she's uh, 21. She was on her own in the city for a few years. And so that was kind of like, whoa, you know, having to live with the parents. And luckily, we all get along great. And we're all good friends <laughs> and yeah. family, you know. Um, so that was kind of, um, in Beacon, that was kind of like my, um, I don't want to say security blanket, but it just felt really good that we were all together. Yeah. And Hagen was here in Asheville, my oldest daughter. And I felt good about her because she was safe and, you know, just really being smart about things. Um, So when COVID first happened, we were being really creative and I was putting out little um, Instagram IGTV videos like, okay, we're home, it's COVID, we're all kind of hunkering down and quarantining and being safe and smart and here's some art, you know, things that you can do with limited supplies and you can do them with the kids and la la la. I was just like so into like, I want to share art and this is the only way I know how to do it right now because I can't teach workshops or anything like that. And I was feeling really creative and eager to share and just journaling every single day in my art journal and just feeling like, wow, this is just crazy that we have to stay inside for a couple of months. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then it just kept going on and on and on. And then the more I found out about it, you know, Mm -hmm. and learned about it and learned that we, a lot of this could have been prevented if we're to be honest. Yeah. You know, if it would have been handled appropriately right in the beginning. Yeah. Um, 
I started getting kind of angry, <laughs> yeah. and then I started getting emotional, and then I fear set in, and all these different crazy feels, you know, like, I'm not used to that. I'm not used to living a fear-based life at all, and I started just getting kind of scared, like, of getting it, and what if my family gets it, and all this, and then I kind of reeled that back in, and, and now, I have to say, like, right now, right here, right now, where we are today, mm-hmm. um, I feel, even though the numbers are really high right now, and I think I read 60,000 new cases in hospitals and 125,000 in the U.S. just yesterday. Like, that's crazy. Um, I feel like we're being really smart. And mm-hmm. everything that I, everywhere I go, which is not very many places, like to the grocery <laughs> store yeah. and to pick up food sometimes, um, I see people really being smart here in Asheville. Mm-hmm. They're masking, they're social distancing, um, I feel like it's a respect thing at this point. You know, it's it's about us being respectful of each other and, and doing what what science says to do. Yeah. And um yeah, I feel hopeful that a lot of a lot of people are starting to step up and realizing that this is a big deal and I'm just doing the best I can, you know, but I still get these feelings of kind of not not ease you know not ease and that's I like to live my life with ease and and just feeling good about things but it's not always easy to feel good when I see people suffering yeah and I think that's part of who makes what makes me who I am is I have empathy for people and I um yeah I can't stand the suffering so from that aspect, I don't feel very great about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think we're just doing the best we can, you know, and we're yeah. living our life in the best way possible. And we're, you know, so our property is 11 acres. So we're kind of out here in the middle of that. We yeah. are by ourselves, which I love. And um, anyway, that's, a, that's I know my answer is going on and on in different directions. But I think the, the biggest thing is that I am back and forth. Yeah. You know, right now I do feel hopeful and I think that, Sooner than later, hopefully, there'll be a vaccine. And I know it's not going to go overnight, go away. But I just hope that new leadership, a vaccine, just moving forward in a direction of hopefully people just really kind of getting together and unifying and and just doing the right thing, I think, yeah. will move us in a direction of getting over this COVID stuff. And, and we can't really... Um, not talk about <laughs> the fact that it's related to animals. Yeah. And, and oh, I, I, would, totally. I would really like to see um, that something this catastrophic, a pandemic, a, a global pandemic, mm-hmm. would um, kind of open people's minds and people's hearts to changing some of the choices they make mm-hmm. um, regarding, you know, animals and the way they treat animals or eat animals there's just a lot that goes into it, and I think we have to look at all of the different aspects. Um, so I hope that that's not lost on people, that this is this is, preve- <laughs> this this is preventable. Is, yes. You know, it really is. It truly yeah. is preventable. And I've just seen more and more things like the mink, the mink, um, the minks that are being killed yeah. because of the disease. Yes, someone just sent me that article, actually. Which makes my heart sink and it makes me livid yeah that this is what us humans are doing to animals Mm -hmm. we know better like the whole point is that we absolutely know better Mm -hmm. and here we are still again and again and again making the same mistakes and I'm I'm really hopeful that people will kind of wake up during this um so that's another part of the hope you know um there's a lot of lessons to be learned but one of the biggest lessons is we've got 
to change our way of thinking regarding yeah. animal agriculture and the impact that it has not only on the planet and our bodies, but it, I mean, look at this. This is just crazy. It is. It <laughs> so, is. Yeah, it's a little overwhelming. Like I have to kind of compartmentalize some yeah. of it, you know, because it, it can get overwhelming if we think too much about the whole big picture. And so that's it. I think I'm hopeful. Yeah. And I think I'm also just realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right, I am a bit intuitive. So yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I do um, just see that there's a better future. Yeah. Really. There really is. And, you know, we were talking about a little bit ago before I started recording and turned on the mic and stuff, um, how since last time I left your house, I started doing so much more art. And last time I was here was before the election. Mm-hmm. And... Um, COVID wasn't new by any means, but it was, you know, in the past a little bit. So now we're at a later stage of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I left, I felt more increasingly pessimistic over the years. And I don't think it's been good for my health, like mental, emotional, any of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just felt really good to come here and talk to you and, you know, relax outside. So I think it's important to talk about, I mean, it's hard to have a conversation right now without being like, okay, this is going on, let's acknowledge that, and then we can talk about other things. Right. Um, right. I think it's really helpful that you said you're feeling all over the place, so if people listening, you know, I'm sure these things are on their mind, and sometimes it's hard to listen to podcast episodes or whatever without people acknowledging what's actually happening, you yes, know? Yes, yes, definitely. It's nice to take a break, but mm-hmm. it's also nice to be like, yeah, we're in this together, in different ways, um, and you're feeling all over the place sometimes, and sometimes you're not, and it's okay to feel those things. So thank you for sharing that. Yes. And I wanted to add, last night I had really intense dreams, but I had a dream <laughs> that I went to a church service, and I'm not religious at all, um, and I don't go to church, and I was like really annoyed that I was in a church service in my dream and I remember people making donations to the church for some reason and it was supposed to go to fight COVID and I remember standing up and yelling it's because of animal agriculture why don't you all just eat plant-based diets (laughs) and getting thrown out of the service because (laughs) I was yelling that at people because I and I was so angry in my dream and I think maybe it's because I've said it as much as I can in real life and now I'm like screaming it in my dreams you know Um, so we can definitely, we're going to talk about your podcast and all of these things so we can get into that more, um, as we go. Yeah. Well, your dream sounds interesting. I've had, (laughs) I've had some kind of bizarre dreams too. And I think there's so much going on astrologically too, you know, like with the planets and the moon and everything. And, um, and then just, yeah, everything is shifting. Everything is shifting. So it makes sense that we're having kind of a little bit of turmoil because we have to have the turmoil to get to the other to the other stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. A, a lot, lot of, a lot, a lot is just bubbling to the surface. Yeah. And it's actually really beautiful if we think about it, but, um, it's not so fun when we're in it sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah, I feel like people are on so many different levels of it because mm-hmm. of different types of privileges and all yes. these different things. So it's like, yeah, the weird thing is there's no one answer right now for everyone because everyone's at a different place. That's so true. Um, that is so true. Yeah. But that's interesting. So as we get into our um, podcast, I like to ask one question about you. And I I don't know if I know the answer to this or not because of our art session here last time. But I think I do. But it was really beautiful, so I'd like other people to hear it. But if you were 
a color or a mix of colors, what would it be? Oh my goodness. You could pick a color or Ooh. you could pick a mix because I know you're into painting and all this stuff. So if you had like, let's say you could mix like three colors or one, what color would you oh, be? Oh wow, that is so hard <laughs> because I love all different colors. Um, I, wow, okay. So this is going to be another loaded answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I can't, For it would be impossible for me to pick just one. And I know you said I could pick more than one. Yeah. Um, but I think that goes, the answers also go along with the same answer to how am I feeling. Yeah. I'm back and forth. Like one day I feel, oh, I love green. Mm -hmm. I love green. Just makes me so happy. And so all the shades of green yeah. are just such joy to me really um green is a great one and I love mixing greens yeah. <laughs> like taking a little bit of my quinacridone nickel ozo gold and mixing it with some Payne's gray which is actually a blue yeah and a little bit of white and making this gorgeous kind of greenish yummy color you know I love that um and then there's days where I would say blue and not because I'm feeling blue but just blue is just such a I think I just so like I said before the ocean salt water just yeah. running through my veins and I've always loved just that gorgeous sea blue and the aquas and the teals and all of that um wow yellow of course yellow yeah yellow seems such a happy color yeah. I love yellow and in fact I've actually been painting lately which is kind of funny that you're mentioning the color thing because I've made a few paintings lately where I took one like a couple of different yellows but yeah. then I kept tinting them different like a little more white a little more white a little so the the painting is all yellows but it's different shades of yellows and it's like painted faces but they're all yellow yeah like I don't even know where that came from yeah um <laughs> so yellow yellow would be another one so I'm just gonna stop there because okay. I could literally go to all of the colors of the rainbow but yeah I think the greens and the blues and the yellows okay um and and the okra the ochre <laughs> yeah. ochre that beautiful kind of deep yellowish goldish yeah oh my gosh I love that um and people and can see this in your paintings too okay. which we will talk about later but okay. <laughs> your paintings have a feel to them okay. in this color scheme so Aww. it's interesting to hear awesome. you talk about it yeah. yeah and I'm looking around right now and I'm like the, the you can see these gorgeous yellow leaves and I don't know we're just surrounded by so many beautiful colors too and and although some of the trees are already naked they're still these beautiful colors presenting oh, yeah. themselves you know um that's an interesting question okay well when you said you had a surprise question I got a little nervous <laughs> I was like oh my gosh I don't know people on the pod listening to the podcast can't see my expression <laughs> yeah. that I made like uh-oh <laughs> it's yeah oh, it's, that's a fun one because sometimes I forget to make it ahead of time and then I think of it on the spot but yours I already thought of that and oh, I'm like oh funny. she'll be good with this yeah. one yeah that's awesome <laughs> So the next thing I wanted to get into is your podcast episode, or you know, your podcast episode, your podcast, um, which I've listened to a handful of your episodes now and mm. played around on your website. Awesome. Um, a while ago, actually, before we even were talking about doing a podcast episode. So mm -hmm. can you introduce your podcast to us and just tell us what it's about? Sure. Um, thank you so much. Uh, so Sanctuary Tour is sanctuarytour.org is my organization and mm -hmm. it's a nonprofit now. Woo -woo. I'm so excited. I'm now officially a nonprofit. 
Um, I do you want to hear about how Sanctuary Tour got started or just yeah. the podcast? You can either one. Do it. I do want to. I was going to ask you how it got started, but if you want to lead with that, doesn't matter. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I'll talk about how I even came up with Sanctuary Tour. I. Uh, um. Hmm. So that kind of goes back a little further back when I was living in Wilmington. I worked as a volunteer at the Sea Turtle Hospital there. Mm. And um, I've always worked with, you know, marine life and stuff like that, you know, just over the years, just had a, just a big place in my heart for whales and dolphins and sea turtles and, you know, really working hard to keep the oceans clean and trying to protect these yeah. these species, all species, obviously, but um, I, I really loved working at the sea, sea Turtle Hospital as a volunteer and I remember even back then thinking how I really just wish the whole world knew about what kind of work these people that are in these organizations are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how special the humans are that are running these, you know, sanctuaries and sea turtle rehab centers and rescues and all of that. And so I think the seed was back then mm-hmm. um, planted for Sanctuary Tour. Of course, I had no way of knowing that. Then, fast forward to moving to the Hudson Valley, um, I remember when I found out we were moving to the Hudson Valley, the first thing I did was looked up Farm Sanctuary, because I was <laughs> like, I'm going to be in New York, I can go to Farm Sanctuary and work there. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was my first thought. And um, meanwhile, Farm Sanctuary was about four hours <laughs> from where we were. Oh, lived. wow. So, the next step was, well, what sanctuaries are close to me mm-hmm. in Beacon, and um, Woodstock Farm Sanctuary was the first one that I went to. Um, it was about 45 to 50 minutes okay. away. It's in High Falls, New York. And so I decided that I would start volunteering there as soon as we got moved in. And <laughs> I did. I started volunteering and loved it, just loved being there. And then I applied for a job. An opening came available for a humane educator. And I applied for the job, and I got the job as humane educator. So I was working there um, as a volunteer during the week. But on the weekends, I was doing humane education tours and Can you tell people what that would entail? Yeah, if they're of not course. familiar with the um, yeah, lingo so, that we know, okay. <laughs> a humane educator is um, basically we talk to people, the visitors that come to the mm-hmm. sanctuary, and also to anyone. I mean, really, it's 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 about being just doing this in your everyday life. Yeah. I believe. Um, but I would lead tours and walk around the sanctuary and talk about the different animals and talk about the different things that happened to those animals in animal agriculture. Um, So it's about just educating the public Mm -hmm. who might not know um, some of the the things that happen in animal agriculture to animals that are absolutely inhumane. Yeah. Um, That's the, in a nutshell, that's my answer. (laughs) I'm sure there's a a defined, you know, in the dictionary, a a different answer. But um, so that's, that's, so I started working there as a humane educator and the thought came back, like, I really want to share this with people. Like not everyone can get to a sanctuary. Not everyone can see these animals and meet these animals. And not everyone knows how beautiful these humans are that are founding these sanctuaries and starting this for, you know, for the animals. And I just started getting this kind of more innate desire to share what was going on. So I got this idea, a sanctuary tour. I'm giving these tours every day. Why couldn't I do a sanctuary tour, like, online? And so I started um, 
kind of cultivating it in my brain, like, how could this work, you know, and I had these ideas come through, and um, at the beginning, it looked like this, it looked as, okay, so it was going to be called Sanctuary Tour, I knew that, that just came to me, and it was like, that was a done deal, and I had a painting that I had painted a while back, and the painting actually sold um, to an author that lived in the Hudson Valley as well, Um, and she wrote a book, she wrote a a vegan book, (laughs) she wrote two vegan books, um, and she's actually been on the podcast, Maya, Maya Gottfried, and she bought the painting of, it was a woman surrounded by animals, Yeah. and that vision has come to me so many times, and the, the kind of the dream is protector of animals, that's kind of like me and my dream, and in my kind of, I think my dharma is just, that's my dharma. You know, my purpose is to um, stand up for, speak up for, advocate for, support, you know, be for the animals. That's yeah. kind of my dharma. And that does not mean that I don't love humans. Because <laughs> sometimes us vegans get accused of not loving humans yeah. and babies and, and adults and all that is not, I love everyone. Yeah. But my dharma, my purpose is, is really to be here for the animals. Um, so fast forward a little bit, I'm kind of going around in a circle, but, um, so I called our mutual friend, Daniel Turbert. Oh yeah. Oh, Daniel. Yeah. I don't know if you know this story. So I, um, I love the work that Daniel does with his beautiful photography Mm -hmm. and his sentient project. And I had admired his work and followed him on Facebook and Instagram and all the stuff, you know? And I thought, you know, for some reason, I just had this little ping that he would be a good person to talk to. So I I messaged him, and he said, yeah, we can talk tomorrow at whatever time. So I called him, and we talked, and I told him the idea. I said, I really just want to run this idea by you, and just I admire what you're doing. I just thought maybe you could give me a little feedback, or what do you even think? Is this even worth pursuing? And he's like, I love the idea. Yes, do it. Um, He said, and you know, podcasts are a really big thing right now. Well, yeah. I never thought about a podcast. <laughs> I had no in, inclination that that would even be, I honestly did not think about a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was Daniel that put that seed in my brain, and I thought, well, sure, I'll have a podcast. Well, meanwhile, I am not the most techie person in the world, Yeah, and I've never had a podcast. I don't know anything about podcasts at this point in time, you know. <laughs> and But my husband came home, Lenny came home, and I said guess what? I'm going to start a podcast. (laughs) And he just kind of looked at me like, oh my gosh, what? And I told him about the conversation. I was like, I'm going to do it. Everybody needs to know about sanctuaries. This is, this is it. This is what I need to do. Like everybody in the world needs to hear what sanctuaries are doing. And I'm going to talk to founders and I'm going to talk to the caregivers and everyone at sanctuary. So everybody can see what I see and enjoy, you know, just not everyone can get to a sanctuary, unfortunately. And, and because they're only in so many locations. Yeah, like, people exactly. can go to a petting zoo, but that's no. not, not the same thing no, as not at all. a sanctuary where animals are treated as individuals. Um, yes. And, and they're few and far between. So true. Especially if you're not vegan, because you don't know about where they all are and all of those things. Exactly, exactly. And, um, and I've actually heard from people since... So... So, to answer your question, the <laughs> podcast. So, that's how the podcast came about. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. And Thank you, um, Daniel. <laughs> um, yeah, we love Daniel. So, um, I he was the inspiration behind the podcast, and I mm-hmm. have told this story before. Um, and then, as far as Sanctuary Tour goes, my vision before talking to him was 
that I was going to go around to different sanctuaries and visit and volunteer and help them with whatever they needed help with and take my harmonium and play music for the oh. animals and take my art supplies and paint a painting so they could have it to raise money. Yeah. That was my kind of my little teeny tiny idea. And Daniel said, too, one of the things I won't ever forget, he said, you know, just be ready for this to take off in a direction you had no idea it would do. Yeah. He said, you know, you've got your idea, and that's great and all, but just be ready because it's gonna, it won't be exactly how you envision it. Yeah. Which is so true. That's absolutely correct. <laughs> um, so I started the, I just overnight started diving in, learning how to do a podcast, and, you know, just... I mean, there's a million ways you can do it. So it was a little bit kind of like, ah, for a non-tech like me. Started doing the podcast, started um, with, I started with local sanctuaries. And um, I know we talked about like visit, you know, which sanctuaries have I visited and all that before. But um, so that's what I did. I started with local sanctuaries and talking to founders and um, managers and caregivers and that kind of thing. And really just being there and being able, like a goat would walk by and like, oh, who is this? And, you know, yeah. it's like you can tell in the podcast. It's just yeah. like we're there, we're in the middle of it. You get to hear about the animals. You get to hear about all of the work that they do. You get to hear about the animal stories, which are not always pleasant, unfortunately. Um, that's another part of humane education is is just really telling the truth, you know. Yeah. The truth is something that I have... Um, more and more in my life come to realize is one of the most important things that we can give Mm -hmm. is the truth. Mm -hmm. And when people know the truth, they have a choice. They can take what they want to take from that truth. And we don't always know, unfortunately, these days, what is the truth. But there Mm -hmm. are some truths that we just absolutely cannot deny. And to me, um, animal agriculture and the fact that millions and millions and millions of animals every single day are being treated so cruelly Mm-hmm. And so terrible mm-hmm. that there's just no way to deny it. Mm-hmm. There's footage after footage. There's story after story. There's there's proof. And um, when we realize that truth, I think that will change hearts and it will change minds. Mm-hmm. That's why I do what I do. So mm-hmm. I'm here for the animals. And that's kind of like I said, it's my dharma. And again, like I said before about COVID and politics and all mm-hmm. I really can't think about it too much because I get overwhelmed because the it suffering, is overwhelming the suffering will just get me yes and I'm here to hopefully just tell the truth and hopefully alleviate some of the suffering that these animals go through that's that's I think that's why I'm here you know it's just my purpose to be here for the animals yeah yeah yeah. Does that tell you about the podcast? <laughs> it does. It does. You totally, it totally oh my does. Gosh. Okay. And I love, I love, that's why I like podcasts so much actually, because, you know, you can ask a question and people will take it Woo. in the direction that they want to take it, which is what I'm all about. I yeah, mean, me you too. know. Me too. Absolutely. Um, that's what's fun about it. So we actually met when I was on your podcast when I lived on a sanctuary mm-hmm. um, for a couple years. So yes. that's how we met. Yeah. In the first place, actually, on your podcast. Well, wait a minute, though. I'm going to actually correct you on that. I met you first oh, at the Animal Rights yeah, Conference. That's true. Yes, that's true. remember? Um, and it's so interesting because Daniel is the one that introduced me yes, to you. Do yep. you remember that? Yes, I do. I've, I very clearly remember that we're walking around a corner going to somewhere. 
I think he was going to show me some photos of something. And then the table and was right And then your there. table was yep. right there. And I forget, what table were you with? A well-fed world. A well-fed world, mm-hmm. right. You were with a well-fed world. And Daniel stopped. And I remember you came out and gave him a big hug. Yeah. And, and then he introduced me to you. And you had a friend there. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that was the You're first time. You're right. Yes. You're right. Yes. I do remember that. That I was so exhausted at that yeah. thing. That uh-huh. I've like people were like, No, I saw you there and yes. I was like, You did? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> but it was, I do remember that. Again, I can use the word overwhelming. That was yeah. over, it was an overwhelming weekend, but it was also great. Yeah. But there's just so much going on and yeah. So anyway, that yes, was Yes, you're right actually. So mm-hmm. we first met there yeah. and then I really got to talk to you. Yes. Um when you were doing your podcast. And yes. I just thought that was so cool, obviously, because we have shared interests. Yeah. Um, because I obviously love to travel. And by that, I mean just going to new places, mm-hmm. talking to new people. And that's yes. exactly what you're doing. Right. And you're centering it around these animals and their lives mm-hmm. and, you know, what they've gone through. Um, yeah. yeah. And for people who don't know, like, what type of animals usually live on these sanctuaries, it's pigs, turkeys... Chickens, cows, llamas, um, goats, goats. Yeah, I Can't mean, goats. horses. It's yes. endless, but donkeys, mules. Yeah, all all the animals. Rabbits, camel. Oh, Oliver and Friends. Yeah, Oliver and Friends is one. Um, and anyone listening, if you'll if you'll go to the podcast and listen to some of these interviews, but yeah, Oliver and Friends is named after a camel. Yes, they had a camel named Oliver there, and yeah. It, there's a lot there's a lot of animals that are exploited that people don't even realize it's just For weird, unbelievable weird reasons yeah yeah it's it's very disheartening and i think so many people like i said before if they knew the truth mm-hmm. they would never ever buy into this system yeah like i can think of one thing i mean i've been vegan but you know one thing that always st- I would say that when I was doing the humane education tours at Woodstock Sanctuary, the two biggest things that people were like, their mouths dropped, mm-hmm. and you could tell they were horrified, is what happens to the baby male calves in the dairy industry. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so for those of you who don't know, little humane education here. Yay! <laughs> um, male calves. Okay, so the dairy industry, we wouldn't, cows are in, are forced, you know, they're forced to get pregnant mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And when they have babies, um, if it's a male, the all babies are taken from the mamas, first of all. So that alone is enough to, to make any woman who claims to be a feminist, um, no, I'm never doing this again. Any parent. Any parent. Any, any parent. Any birth, anyone. Exactly. Anyone. You're right. And um, so there is that. But the, And this is even on um, local small family farms, I'd like to add. Oh, Because gosh, I've been yes. on... A handful of yeah. small farms. Oh, and I know. Yeah. People are like, no, that doesn't happen where my milk comes from. Yes, it does. Yes, it, it does. does. Happen. <laughs> well, because here's the thing. The, the mamas are, the babies have to be taken away so that the mama's milk, which is intended for the babies, can go to humans who still choose to drink another mammal's milk. Too silly. And um, unfortunately, since males do not produce milk, they are not only taken away, but they're taken away and they're either left for dead or they're slaughtered at a very, very young age to be used for veal. Mm -hmm. So if you are drinking milk Mm -hmm. and eating cheese, you're directly linked to the veal industry. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people are like, no, I would never hurt animals, but, you know, but cheese and milk, I can't give that up. 
but actually you can give it up because you are hurting animals. <laughs> so that's yeah. the humane education piece. And I'm, I'm usually not that direct, but, but I will say that's just the truth, you know, yeah. again. And then the other thing people were horrified about was the egg industry, mm-hmm. not knowing all these eggs. And I will have to say, I was the person that bought the cage free, free roaming, free range eggs yeah. when I used to eat eggs a long mm-hmm. time ago. Um, because that makes me feel good, you know, to have those eggs because yeah. I'm not hurting anything. Right. Well, no, it's not right because in the egg industry, and I, I did not know this until I started studying humane, you know, doing humane education, but, um, the male chicks that are born into the egg industry are immediately sent down a little different conveyor belt into a macerator. Mm-hmm. They're killed. It's like a blender. It's like a blender. And, or they are put into big, huge trash bags and suffocated. Alive. Um, this alive. Is all I, know, like, I have conscious. watched the videos. I have listened to people who used to raise chickens mm-hmm. tell the truth about it. It is not good. And this is not just animal agriculture, big, crazy. This is anyone raising eggs. They're not keeping the roosters, y'all. We can't have that many roosters. Mm-hmm. People don't like roosters, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know. So the males are the males are killed. So this is for anyone out there that, that wants to, to know, you know, how to treat animals better. Mm-hmm. Don't eat eggs. Don't drink milk. Don't eat animals. That's the or just key. how not to, like, kill them, you know. Yeah, how not to for... kill them. Like, these, these um, industries are very clever with their marketing. Mm-hmm. And I, it worked on me. Yeah. It worked on me. Mm-hmm. It really did. and um, But I'm here now because I know what I'm talking about. And yeah. I want to share the truth because I know that most of us don't want to eat an egg that the males, the little baby males were killed because of that egg. Right. And not to mention the horrific conditions that the chicks, that the chickens are in, you know, in the little cages and, or they're in big warehouses all together. It's just yeah. really crazy. I mean, we just have to really start doing our research before we eat things. And you know? the thing is, too, is that even um, the, you know, free-range eggs, whatever, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been on those egg farms. My yes. own feet and eyes on those egg farms, They there's hardly a difference. Maybe there's a few chickens outside and they yeah. have a few feet, but the rest are literally in the same conditions yeah. that everyone else is in. Um, You've seen it with your own eyes. Yes. Like, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, it's like people listen and they're like, you know, people listen if I do outreach or whatever or I share something or I see someone else who has shared something and mm-hmm. they're like, well, this is just one person, like, you didn't actually see this. Well, guess what? Like, this stuff you're talking about, yeah. I haven't seen, like, the, you know, killing of them alive. But I've seen inside, inside chicken farms, um, the egg, the milk, like, all of those places. Like, this is absolutely true, you know, from yeah. someone who's seen it. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. <sighs> well, and you've seen that side, and then I've seen the side which... I would like to think is better, you know, mm-hmm. which is the sanctuaries yeah, that yeah. have rescued these chickens and these cows. Um, and I also have to say that in, in addition to being a humane educator, I'm also a caregiver and, um, you know, did caregiving at different sanctuaries as well. And um, the chickens that come rescued from those places, mm-hmm. they are, they have a lot of issues, Yes. You know, they have bumblefoot. They have, they're, they're overweight because they're bred to get so fat so fast. And there's all these issues that they have. They have heart issues. They have reproductive issues. They have all these crazy issues. And I mean, I've wrapped and wrapped and wrapped so many chicken feet with bumblefoot, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to grab them and <laughs> 
soak their feet and do all these things. And so, yeah, the ones at the sanctuaries, they're the lucky ones, but they're also not untainted from the system. Oh, yeah. And so I say, you've seen the ugly side and I get to see the good side. But unfortunately, even in the the um, sanctuary world, there's still some some serious sadness going on because then yeah. you've also got these rescued male calves and cows steer at this point from the dairy industry who also have issues mm-hmm. because they're, they don't take care of them in these places, yeah. you know? And, um, anyway, so it's good that they're at the sanctuaries, but mm-hmm. they're not unscathed, I guess right. is the point I'm trying to make. Um, but they are the lucky ones that got out of there, you know, alive, yeah. thank God. But, yeah, it's it's very disconcerting to see all of the things that, that the animals go through and endure just for the sake of humans being able to eat or drink whatever they choose to eat or drink. Which is not good for us. Oh, no, it's really not. General, like, in no. the first place, you no, know. No, it's really not. And there's also tons of truth, truthful studies to back all that up. But, you know... What I've learned, too, over the past year, you asked me earlier about what I think about everything. People are going to read, listen to, and watch what they want to read, listen Mm -hmm. to, and watch based on what they already think they know. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's very... It it takes a lot for someone to go, wait a minute, I do want to learn more about that. Mm -hmm. Because it's real easy to just keep reading the milk does a body good. Yeah. And eggs are so high in protein, you need to eat eggs every day. There's, that's the easy way out. Yeah. The, The way to go is to challenge yourself and look up more information that you don't Maybe don't want to know, but you need to know. Yeah. Because it's real easy to just keep on looking at what we've been looking at and staying mm-hmm. complacent, and it's just kind of the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. But that's not the way to change the world, really. No. Oh, no. I mean, that's you know, the way to just stay in the same yeah, yeah. lane. I think for us to grow, we need to keep learning and doing and seeing and, and learning the truth about things um, and accepting that, yeah, it's not. it might make us have to make different choices, but that's okay. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think also to add on to that, what was that um, documentary that came out about the social dilemma? Oh, gosh. About how algorithms Ooh. are feeding us what we want to see, which is yes. totally true, right? It is true. I saw that and was mortified. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I already thought that was yes. happening. Yeah. But when I saw that, I was like, yes, that makes absolute sense. Yes, it really does. Um, and you know that has to be happening with, like, food com- you know, food Absolutely. commercials, food ads. Mm-hmm. All of these Definitely. things, so I can see why, why people think that, like, the, these things are good for them, they're humane, they're mm-hmm. good for the environment, whatever, because when you're fed that stuff, and you keep looking at it, and you keep looking at it, and it keeps showing up for you, start believing like, it. oh yeah, so I encourage people, like, do, you know, do research, mm-hmm. look at people who don't agree with you, maybe yes. even go in person, you can call a dairy farm and ask them if you can take a tour, now obviously in COVID times you know, you're probably not going to be able to. Mm-hmm. It's a different story. But um, in the past, you know, I've been able to do that. Other people have been able to do that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, everyone will say, well, we look at things differently, right? Because we could take five different people, send them all to a dairy farm. Mm-hmm. They could all watch a calf being separated from their mother. They could all watch a chick go into a blender. You and I are going to be like, oh! <gasps> Oh my goodness, like, this is absolutely wrong. These animals feel pain, blah, blah, blah. 
And the truth is, is that they're going into a blender. They're being separated. That's the absolute truth. We can see it with our eyes. That's not a feeling. You know, we see it. And other people um, could just be like, "Mm, that's just how it is, or they don't feel pain or whatever. What would you say to those people? Because we can see the truth, but people, and you know, people take it in differently. Oh, gosh, that's such a good question, Kaylin. Um, That's a hard one. I'm just curious. Oh, it is a a hard one. So what I used to tell people on the tours that I would give, Mm -hmm. and I can remember so often just standing beside a cow Mm -hmm. or a steer, and also pigs. Pigs are one of those animals that people just don't even understand how amazing they are, how smart, how cute and adorable and like little puppies running around when they're piglets and just so amazing and just yeah very curious and all of the things and I mean I could tell things about every animal how great they are you know what their strong points are and how smart and all that but the one thing I remember saying a lot is um please while you're standing here take a minute to look into the eye just really stop and look into the eye of the pig that you're looking at Mm -hmm. look at their eye Mm -hmm. they're looking back at you what do you see Mm -hmm. what i see is a soul i see a sentient being i see someone who is capable of love and being loved Mm -hmm. that's what i see and that's why i make the choices i make just look i'm not asking for an answer just look at them and look at them in the eye Mm -hmm. could you harm them Mm mm-hmm Could you harm this being right now looking them in the eye? That's what I say. That's what I used to say all the time. And you, honestly, I'm not even making this up. People would get tears in their eyes. Yeah. People, when they are sitting looking at animals and and you start thinking about, you know, so it's easy to hear these constant messages and and look at what we're fed Mm -hmm. because you're right. Social media, all of that. We are fed what we need to be fed to continue believing what we believe. And there's all these algorithms that to study stay all that. And, and to keep you reeling and looking and going deeper and all. We're, we are being programmed to keep going down the rabbit hole, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that makes me furious because we're being used yeah. <laughs> as little puppets by these, you know, people that know what they're doing in the computer land. Which, like I said before, I'm so not the tech person. Um, I don't even understand how it all works, but I think if we take a moment to look someone in the eye, whether it be a human, mm-hmm. a baby, babies are human, obviously, an animal, a chick, a you know, whatever, whatever, look them in the eye, and what could you do to them? Mm-hmm. I, what I say is all I can do is love them. You know, I can't hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hurt anyone. So I think... That's what I would say to anyone saying they don't feel pain, they don't feel this. Look them in the eye. Mm -hmm. Look at the little chicks. Little chicks, their eyes are so cool. Chickens, they have the coolest eyes. The way they just, when they blink, that little layer comes over back and forth. It's just the coolest thing. And pigs, I mean, if if I zoomed in on a pig's eye and cropped it, hello, you would think it was a human eye. (laughs) You know, and goats, their cool little eyes with the, the, the iris going the other way, you know, it's just... Oh, they're so beautiful. Um, So I would say, look them in the eye and think about, could you hurt them? Yeah. And that's all I can say about it. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. We all see things differently and we all think differently and we all have different levels of emotions and empathy and compassion and all of that. But at the end of the day, I think that we're all born 
with compassion. Mm-hmm. We are born with compassion. I don't, unless the the tiniest percentage of humans that are sociopath or psychopaths the minute they're born and they're going to be crazy killers. Like, I mean, I guess there is that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not the professional that studies that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so maybe somebody could argue not everyone's born with compassion, but I would say that the majority of people, I mean, I just have to clarify, you know, but yeah. the majority of people, I think, are born with compassion and the longer they live, the more that compassion gets stomped out. Mm-hmm. And it's up mm-hmm. to us as bigger people, older people, you know, adults, getting older, whatever, to get that compassion back. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I fight for it. I'm going to fight for that because that's my given right. That's my birthright. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want to be any more manipulated by the systems that I was yeah. manipulated by when I was younger. You know, I was made to believe milk does a body good. And mm-hmm. I was taken to petting zoos to pet the very cow that I was stealing the milk from. Yeah. And I don't want to be that person anymore. You know, I, I didn't choose that. My parents didn't choose to do that intentionally. But that's what happens. We're, we're you know, in this culture that tells us that's okay. But when mm-hmm. we fight for our compassion and our birthright um, of just that compassion we're born with, then we're able to go back to that. And yeah see things for ourselves. I think a lot of it is just looking um, looking into things our own selves instead of believing everything, you know, that we've been fed. Mm-hmm. Kind of, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of <laughs> sense. I know, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just so, like that's... actually doing the research yourself. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I could be listening to... Legitimate sites, by yes. the way. Yes, <laughs> legitimate sites. A well-fed world. Oh, yeah, know? yes. Um, and just there's so many good ones. There's so many vegan outreach and and then there's just so many beautiful organizations that are mm-hmm. that are teaching what's going on and there's science and, too to show yeah, that animals feel pain yeah, you know there's exactly. like science for these things also yeah um which is yeah sometimes people don't want to believe the science either well and if you don't want to believe the science go look at a video of a baby calf being taken from its mom the mom is crying and screaming after the baby yeah just like i would be if somebody tried to take my baby right which is another reason don't do it Mm -hmm. don't do it Mm -hmm. if you wouldn't want it done to you that's another thing look them in the eye but also do unto others as you'd have them do to you do you really want somebody you know it just it goes pretty deep oh totally be a good human (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah and Make choices that are good for everyone. Yes. I think it's it's about being, and I don't want to call people that are eating meat selfish because it's not like, oh, you're selfish. But I do want to say, think about it. You know, mm-hmm. think about what you're doing yeah. to other animals. Yeah. Are you making choices based on others? <laughs> yeah. You know, really. Um, and I know it's hard for some yeah. people if, like, they're at home and they're a young kid and their parents, that's what they're buying and that's what they're feeding them. Mm-hmm. And they say, I want to be vegan or vegetarian and their parents won't let them. Mm-hmm. That's, you different. know, that's a thing. Like yeah. there's things like that. Well, but that's the majority different. of people listening to this podcast are able to make the choice to eat plant-based and eat beans instead of, you know, someone's flesh or something like that. Um, right. Right. And I do have to say, I don't want to come across as inconsiderate and not thinking about the bigger picture. Like you're saying right now, um, there are, there's a lot to it. You know, I could say go vegan and that sounds like it's really easy for, for me. It was easy yeah. because I was like, Oh, I am not eating that again. Yeah. I am never doing that again. Once I learned, once I learned the truth, there was no way you could make me do that. Yeah. Um, 
it's not so easy for some people. I definitely acknowledge that. And it's also, there is the argument that people on a budget and poor people and certain, you know, yes, there are some areas where it might not be I don't know. I've not it's been not to those easy. areas. Yeah, like food it's deserts. not as easy and food deserts and things like that. Um, but I think for the most part, the majority of people can um, can make those choices. Yeah, yeah. And I know that there's a lot of ways out there that um, you can get resources to help with um, going vegan on a budget. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, totally. the, there's all these different places that you can find that information food empowerment project Mm -hmm. love them Mm -hmm. um lauren ornelas and um and her husband mark hawthorne he was actually on my podcast too um striking at the roots is his book and it's about mostly about vegan activism um but the food empowerment project there are so many resources on that website that give you everything you could possibly need to know Mm -hmm. and the work they're doing is just pretty amazing and i we don't have time to go into all of the work that everyone is doing which is pretty amazing but (laughs) please check them out food empowerment project and um yeah there's just so many places and resources that we Mm -hmm. can get information on how to um make better choices oh yeah and be healthier people and have a healthier planet at the same time, <laughs> all at once. It's a Could win. you imagine it's that? It's a win-win. <laughs> Could you for imagine? Sure. It'd be amazing. I, I do imagine it, for sure. It would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So how many, do you even know how many sanctuaries you've been to, and have they all been in the U.S. when you've done your podcast for Sanctuary Tour? Yeah, um, I don't, I, right offhand, I don't know the amount, um, the numbers, uh, without like looking at my website and, and remembering, because yeah. I, I have been to a lot of sanctuaries. Um, they've all been in the U.S. Okay. I have done interviews um, via Skype with people outside of the U.S. Um, Freedom Farm Sanctuary in Israel, they are on the website, um, or on my podcast. And um, Magical Creatures of Hamakua, they are on the in Hawaii. And oh. they were on the website, a beautiful sanctuary. So there's so many on um, my website that you could follow and that have been on the podcast Um I encourage you to look and just see what's on there and follow all of them because they all have different great things they've got going on, yeah. you know, and that's the cool thing is each sanctuary is so individual. Um, just like we are as humans, everyone founding the sanctuaries have these different ideas of how to run them and, and, you know, just different means and, and different uh, things that they're able to do with the animals. And so everyone has such a unique story, as do the animals. Yeah. You know? Well, that's actually literally the next question oh. I was going to ask you. So that when you, I'm like, are you reading my mind or something? No. Um, but do you have any stories that automatically stick out in your mind or that you might have thought of before for <sighs> animal individuals, human individuals, just any people that you've met through these sanctuary tours, um, human or non-human that you really remembered an interaction or you really remembered a story Mm -hmm. or anything like that? Okay. Wow. There's so many. Um, There's so many. And one of the things I think is that if I tell this one, I'm I'm cheating the other person because I'm not telling theirs or the other animal or whatever. But I'll say that um, there's two stories that really stand out. And the first is it's not... It's not even a story, but it's my friend Violet. Mm-hmm. And Violet was, when we lived in the Hudson Valley, I went to Safe Haven Sanctuary a lot. Um, 
that was one of the sanctuaries that I volunteered at all the time. I mean, I was there, you know, a lot. And in my mind, became part of their family. And mm -hmm. they're just such a, a beautiful group of people that work there. And Joy, the manager, she just accepted me right the first day, like, hey, and invited me in and just showed me around and just was so welcoming. And I just felt at home right away at that sanctuary. And this was me being um, 52. Mm, I think I had just turned 52. And I'm 53 now, so it a little over, uh, 51 and a half maybe. Yeah. So this is me having lived 50 years plus a little in the same exact town. Yeah. Okay. And then I moved to the Hudson Valley, did not know a soul. Mm -hmm. So this is me, no friends, no. And I go to their sanctuary. And I mean, yes, I had a few friends from Woodstock, you know, that I met volunteering and things like that. But I didn't have my friend group that I had for 50 years, you know, yeah. my very close best friends, you know, that I've known forever. <laughs> um, but I have to say, I went to Safe Haven and I immediately felt like part of the family. They were friends. They were, um, I just was drawn to them because I mm -hmm. wanted to be there more and more and more because I loved not only them, but the animals too. And um, I always joked that Violet was my best friend. Yeah. And she really was. I'm, I might start crying because she, okay. she just passed away this um like a few months ago, and mm -hmm. she was um, an 18-year-old dwarf Nigerian little goat that was absolutely beautiful, and she had the cutest little teeth, and just, um, I was drawn to her from the very first day I met her, and Edwin was her caregiver. They're all her caregiver, but Edwin had um, a special connection with her, mm -hmm. and so did I. And Edwin, I just remember watching him feed her with the syringes, and I was just like, I want to be able to help, too. Can I? Can you show me how? And he taught me how to feed her and how to mix it all up, you know, all this special little violet formula, you know. And I got to um, become kind of part of her world Yeah. Uh, by being able to spend that time. It's pretty intimate, you know, to be able to feed her her six syringes that she had to have, you know, each yeah. day and big old, you know, and, um, it got to where every time I worked at the sanctuary, I would, I, I was a volunteer. I didn't like have a job there. Um, but I was there a lot and it got to where every time I went, I would never leave without going and sitting with Violet for a good half hour to an hour. Yeah. I mean, I would literally just sit in there with her. I would lay down in the straw with her. I would, I didn't, we didn't have to say a word. It was yeah. just me and Violet, you know, and then I started taking my harmonium and um, I would go into her stall, and I would just play my harmonium for her, and she would just look up at me with the sweetest face, and there was a connection. I mean, yeah. it was just, a, I, I can't really explain it, but it was such a, mm, such a sweet little being she was, a yeah. beam of light, you know, and it was like every time I saw her, she was smiling at me, but she was yeah. smiling at everybody because she had these little buck teeth <laughs> that were so cute, you know, but she was just precious. So Violet is... Um, forever permanently tattooed on my heart like yeah. I will always have Violet in my heart and I love her so much um and and I love how the caregivers and everyone there took care of her mm -hmm. so she is definitely a big beam of light in my world and then um another story so there's so many animals that I've met yeah. and loved and admired and just fell in love with um but this particular story that I want to share is I was at um, Woodstock Sanctuary, so I asked Hervé, he's the manager there, and if I could bring my harmonium and play for the cows and the mm -hmm. steer. And he said, yeah, that'd be great. So um, 
I planned it with Brooke. She was the, the caregiver for the cows that was, you know, the main caregiver that was always in there with the cows. Uh, the first day I met Brooke was the first day I ever went to volunteer at Woodstock. Mm -hmm. And Brooke was, I just looked at her in the stall with big, huge Caesar, the steer. And I just had this feeling of, I want to be able to connect with these cows like her, mm -hmm. which I could never do because Brooke was Brooke and yeah. Brooke was the cow whisperer and she is a caregiver with cows. She knows so much about cows. It's just amazing. Like I, you know, but I did want the connection and I did want to um, be able to interact with them. Yeah. And I wanted to be with them because I saw this gorgeous being and just was in awe of their big, huge, massive beauty, you know. And so Brooke said, sure, come over and you can play the harmonium for them. And um, I, <laughs> you'll probably hear it starting to rain yeah. really loud. We're under the porch. Um, my friend Jean also uh, was with us and she was taking pictures. And she actually got a picture of this particular thing that I'm talking about. Um, Mikey is one of the steer and... It started with me bringing a bunch of apples that I had picked um, at an apple farm nearby to the cows, and Brooke was feeding the cows, uh, the steer to, um, or the apples to Ralphie and Elvis, and I went ahead and sat down in the cow pasture, and Mikey was way out in the field. Now, Mikey is one of those cows that, or he's a steer, that I was a little bit scared of. Yeah. Because I've been out in his pasture before when he has looked at me like, I'm going to charge you right now if you don't get out of here. <laughs> and Mikey, um, while Ralphie and Elvis are a product of the dairy industry, um, so they were babies when they got to the, you know, they were rescued from the veal industry, basically. Um, Mikey was an escapee from a truck on the way to the slaughterhouse. So Mikey has a different level of fear I would say um so I was a little bit to be quite honest I was a little bit scared of Mikey and I'm sitting in the field on my blanket with my harmonium and I start playing um the harmonium and I was chanting the mantra loka samasta suki no bhavantu which you probably heard maybe um, the, the, it loosely translates in, it's a Sanskrit mantra that translates to, may all beings everywhere be happy and free, and may the thoughts, words, and actions in my own life contribute to that happiness and freedom for all. So I'm chanting the Loka Samasta Suki no Bhavantu over and over for the animals, playing the harmonium, and Mikey, way out in the field, lifts his head and starts coming towards me. And he's getting closer and closer, and I just, and all of a sudden, this feeling, it's almost like this breeze of cold air just kind of came over me like nothing to fear, nothing mm -hmm. to fear at all. Now, he's a 2,000 pound steer, almost. I mean, I'm guesstimating. <laughs> and you're sitting on the ground at this point. I am on the ground. And I am little me playing my harmonium on the ground, and there's this big steer coming towards me. And when I say he's 2,000 pounds, clearly I've never weighed him, but I'm, I guess, I'm guesstimating yeah. he's about 2,000 pounds. And, um, but I had the message, very strong message, nothing to fear. And I kept playing, and he kept walking towards me, kept walking towards me. I made eye contact with him. He's looking at me. He, his head is down, and he keeps walking, walking. And before I know it, I am not kidding. It's on, I've got a picture, so I can do I've that. seen it on your fridge. Okay, good, yes. That's the one picture I have on the fridge. Um. 
Well, he put his head on my harmonium. He literally put his head on my harmonium, and I kept playing. I didn't have any any fear at all. And my friend Jean, um, she's also on Instagram. She's at Pitchfork Warrior. Okay. Um, and also, I think her name on there is Roving Volunteer. But Pitchfork Warrior, I think, is where you could find her on Instagram. But she has gorgeous photos of animals from all different sanctuaries, and we've worked together at different sanctuaries as well. But um, she took the photo, and that stands out in my memory because um, I had this feeling of almost like this just well first of all pure joy because yeah. I had this gorgeous steer just looking me in the eye and listening just yeah. just being you know just he was so calm and that was not the Mikey I knew but I just didn't have any fear about me but I just remember thinking like wow this is a gift to him because he is being appreciated right now. Mm -hmm. Like I'm doing this for him. You know, I'm singing and chanting and my heart was so full for him, for him, you know, for being alive. And I was honoring him, you know, in this just very deep honoring kind of way that I can never explain. It's just not even explainable, but it just felt really kind of holy, if that makes sense. And um, so that will always stand out in my heart forever and ever I just like it was such a beautiful memory and I'm so glad I got to do that yeah it just like playing the harmonium for animals is really brings me joy and um it's just my way of honoring them and showing them that I love you I want to play yeah. music for you you know that's I can do music and I can do art yeah <laughs> and, and maybe that's my way of showing the love but um yeah. But yeah so those two things stand out I hope that's not too long no that was <laughs> that exciting was I I vaguely remember that story because I yeah. think I asked you about that photo on your fridge before and I was hoping you would tell it oh um, good yeah yeah but yeah. that that would be so incredible to see this large animal just resting their head <sighs> on this, you know, little instrument who usually is all, yeah. you know, hyper, rambunctious, oh, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, if someone stood next to even just, like, a cow before, Ooh, I mean, those are big huge. animals. They are huge, and they're strong and powerful, and they can just be play not even playing, but... They could just move their head to lick something and knock you over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, really. On accident, yeah. And I used to tell people that when I would take them into the cow barn, you know, we would let them feed them alfalfa treats um, if they wanted them. Obviously, we never made the animals do anything, but yeah. we would offer and invite them to have a treat if they wanted to. And I always had to, you know, for safety reasons, tell people, you know, be careful. Do not take pictures near their heads. Like, they are super strong. They can knock you out. Yeah. <laughs> and here I am, little me on the ground with this big <laughs> Mikey that has chased me out of the pasture before, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, it was incredible, honestly. It was really incredible. really incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it was sweet. It was a sweet moment. <gasps> we'll have yeah. to post the link. Isn't that picture on your Instagram? Is it? Maybe. Yeah. I, yeah, probably. I think I'm maybe I've seen probably. it on there. If it yeah. is, I'll have to post a link so people can go yeah, see that. Yeah, definitely. That'd be cool. That picture so yeah. they can put I it can together. I can share it with you for sure. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing those stories with us. Yeah, thank you for asking. Oh, yeah. And Violet, I just, mm, such a sweet being. I can show you a picture of Violet. Oh, yeah. I have lots of pictures with Violet. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm sure it sounds yeah. like you two are really good friends. We were good. Yeah, it was awesome. I love that. I know. There's, you know, I feel like people uh, who don't get to hang out with farmed animals that often Mm. can be like these crazy animal lovers. But I mean, once you meet them, it's just another person. You know, it's so true. It's like 
and they all have their little sweet individual personalities and mm -hmm. idiosyncrasies just like we do. And yep. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for sharing those stories with us. I just have a couple more questions for you. Okay. Um, what have you learned through your podcast? You know, it could be, and I guess what I mean is by the act of visiting all these sanctuaries. Like, what have you taken from it? Whether it's a feeling or um, new information. And, yeah, what are kind of, what have the highs and lows been for you? throughout this learning journey of going to all these sanctuaries? Oh, okay. Uh, wow, what have I learned? I've learned so much. Um, I think I said earlier we're all born with compassion. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I see when I visit sanctuaries is the amount of compassion that human beings are capable of. Mm -hmm. And also, so on an, a different note, <laughs> there's also, unfortunately, mm -hmm. because we're both in the animal rights kind of world, right? Um, not specifically so much at sanctuaries, but I, I hear things about, you know, sometimes things go wrong in sanctuaries it's just like a it's an organization you know it's just um there's there's a lot of people involved so yeah. um sometimes you know there's gossip there's uh one person's not doing it like the other person thinks they should be doing mm -hmm. you know there's different things yeah um i would say that really all in all i would say sanctuaries are just mostly good mm -hmm. but there are going to be cases where you know sometimes things go wrong at sanctuaries too and things aren't going the way they should be for the animals or I haven't seen that firsthand so I don't want to imply that any of the sanctuaries I've visited but yeah. I've heard people talking yeah so that's I, I would say maybe that that's one of the things that is unpleasant for me is hearing kind of any kind of gossip mm -hmm. because um it's really hard to pinpoint what's true, what's not true, that kind of yeah. thing. And I, I really do practice the four agreements, and one of the four agreements is, well, I don't know them all by heart, but be impeccable with your word. Don't gossip about people. You know, there's the thing called black magic, and it's yeah. just like once you hear something negative, it's you can't unhear it. Mm -hmm. So I would just say that I encourage everyone to just talk to each other personally instead of about each other, yeah. maybe. Um like I said, this does not apply to my friends at sanctuaries. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just you hear things. But it is part of the You hear things. And in the animal rights world. movement, you know, there are, unfortunately, there are some people that aren't always kind, you know? So that's just unfortunate. Yeah. I think the message is just do your best and work for the animals and have the animals best interest at heart and don't get involved in any kind of petty nonsense. Yeah. Um, one of the best quotes that uh, someone ever told me that he, it was his quote, um, his name was Jay, and he said the best advice he ever could give anyone is stop petty criticism and focus on self. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love that. Yeah. It's just like, you know, if we all do that, we're not going to have time to talk about anyone. Or oh, any, could you imagine? You know? So I think that's, it's refreshing to think that we could just focus on ourselves and, mm-hmm. and not other things that are, you know, or just talk to people about things. I think yeah. it just goes to about, you know, communicating. Um, yeah. The good points, there's there's so many, there's no way that we would ever have enough time <laughs> yeah. to list them all. And one of the things about sanctuaries, um, about every single sanctuary, is that everyone needs money. Mm-hmm. You know, they all need money, and they all need support. And especially now, these times of COVID are um, really challenging to sanctuaries, and we could support them in any way that we can. Um, you know, I send little bits to here and there and I keep up with people and, and see where the needs are and, and do what I can. Um, we can't always, everyone can't do monetary donations, mm-hmm. but there's other ways to support sanctuaries and that would be follow sanctuaries and share their stories, you know, po- post, repost things for them, um, visit them when we can. Obviously yeah. COVID's making things way different. Volunteers, you know, there's ways to volunteers at sanctuaries even during COVID. Um, well, and there's ways to do it online. And there's ways to do it online, helping people online with um, all kinds of things, you know, that they need help with. So I would say if you can get involved helping sanctuaries right now, they're mm-hmm. kind of with everything else in the public eye. There might be they might be left out. Yeah. And it'd be nice for them to have a little more support right now. Um, but yeah, that's. Does that answer your question? Yes, and totally. I, and I really don't mean to bring anything negative into no, but the it's, picture it's, at all. But I do. I th- think it's important for people to understand that humans running sanctuaries are human too. Yeah, and we're all human, and we all have our flaws. And um, if we just focus on the animals when we're in that world of sanctuaries, mm-hmm. that's where we're going to be our best. Yes, um, and yeah. and not get into all of the little nitpicky stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, because of course there's going to be things going on that aren't always pleasant. Right. It's it's really a business, you know. It's and that's stressful. It's a stressful. No matter what it's type a stressful of business. business because you've got a lot of animals that you're in charge of keeping and their well-being and all of that. Yeah. So um, it can be very stressful. Yes. So I would just say just to, for everyone just to try to focus on the animals. Yeah. yeah. That's so. no. That's so important. I think when I got into the sanctuary world and animal rights, I thought wow, this is a future that I want to see everywhere. This is amazing. And it is. But as soon as you, you get into that, you realize people are human. Yes. Humans do human things. Yes, exactly. Humans human and mess things up and make bad decisions and all these things. Mm-hmm. And sadly, that is part of the sanctuary world, too. I'm finding out more and more over the years. Yeah. Um, but so it's good to just know, like, the full, like we said, the truth. You know, there's yeah. the highs and there's the right, lows. Right. And it's. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank and you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to be not truthful, you know, about, like, it's not, everything's not all peachy. Yeah. And perfect. Because it's really not. Yeah. Not in anywhere. <laughs> you yeah. Know, no one. So I did, I definitely, but I love it. I love visiting sanctuaries and I love the people and the animals that I've met. It's just pretty incredible. Yes. Um, and I don't know how many I've been to here. That's okay. But it's we'll so have to. Many, I was so looking at your ones. website. Now, for everyone that you've gone to after you've started your podcast, have you published 
a podcast episode for? Are there a few that you went to that you still need to release them, or are they all on there? Yeah, there's a few that I've been to that I haven't done podcasts with. Um, when COVID first started, I had to unfortunately cancel several visits. Okay. Um, one of my all-time favorite, and I don't mean to have favorites, anyone <laughs> listening, this is not even a good thing to say, but I love Lancaster Farm Sanctuary. Yeah. They're in Pennsylvania. Um, and, you know, Safe Haven is my favorite, and Wild Heart's my favorite, and, you know, I have so many yeah. favorite sanctuaries, but one that I unfortunately didn't get to go to, but I had an interview scheduled, was Lancaster, and I love them, Sarah and Janina, and um, I follow them and have done some work for them kind of from afar, Yeah. as far as a painting for, you know, an auction and this and that, um, and I didn't get to go because COVID happened. And I didn't get to go to some other ones because of COVID. And I didn't get to interview Rowdy Girl because I was having computer issues when I moved here. Yeah. We don't have good internet here in the mountains. Yeah. It's very spotty. Um, so there's some people that I haven't been able to connect with. Um, and to be honest, since COVID happened, I have not done an interview. Yeah. I, has, I was just at Wild Heart, um, which is in Mars Hill, Wild Heart Farm Sanctuary. Um, who, by the way, are also very big into permaculture, mm -hmm. which I'm super interested in and, and, and love the idea of permaculture. And um, I was just talking to Beryl, the founder of Wild Heart, about getting them to be on the sanctuary soon, yeah. or I mean on the podcast soon. And um, so hopefully now that things, I'm getting a little more settled and we're outside there, we're, you know, we're being safe. Hopefully, uh, we can get them on the podcast soon. Um, I love Wild Heart Sanctuary, too, by the way, so please follow them if you're listening because they are doing some really cool work. And I was just there a couple of days ago. I took an art project to hang out with the kids uh -huh. while she could get some things done, you know, because she's homeschooling four children. Wow. And they live on the land, and they're living off the land, and they're just an amazing, they're just doing amazing things. And... I just thought, well, this would be fun to kind of entertain, so to speak, the kids while she could get some chores done. So yeah. that was fun. And, um, yeah, so I haven't been able to do all of the podcasts I've wanted to do. Yeah. But hopefully I'll, I'm going to start getting back to it. And, um, you know, I've got some things in the works. So yeah. We'll see how it goes. Yay. And yeah. you already have so much on your website that if people are just starting to listen or they listen to this and they're like, yay, we yeah. want to start listening. Please. Dude. I mean, there's so many episodes for people to yeah. go through that yeah. are all very unique. So that, yeah. that's exciting. That's the thing. I'm glad you said that because each yeah. each um, podcast episode is super unique because, like I said, we're all so unique. So everyone has their own little thing going and, and, like, and everybody shares something different. Yeah. You know? And Cows Come Home, I don't know if you listened to that one, um, but Daniel actually did a, a beautiful short film oh, yeah. at Cows Come Home Sanctuary, and they're in Tennessee. I went to them last year. Um, no, actually, it was this... No, it was last year. I can't remember, but but recently, you know, not too not too long in the past, um, went to Cows Come Home and did a um, an interview with Randy. Uh, she's the founder of Cows Come Home, and Daniel had... He's the one that even told me about them yeah. because of his short film, which was gorgeous. And her story is just incredible. And honestly kind of a tearjerker yeah um but the way that she came to the decision to 
start the sanctuary is, is pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's a great episode to listen to. I mean, they all are so different, like you said. Yeah. But, um, everyone has their stories. And a lot of times the human stories intertwine and get woven into the animal stories. And it all just is, is really powerful. Yes. And I will put a link in the bio for anyone listening to your podcast episode, just because, you you know, I think that is a really good one to share. And make a note to put in Daniel's documentary, too. Yes, Or please. short film. Short film, yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, I guess it was a short film, right? Not a documentary. Short, I'm not quite sure what the so difference is. It was both. <laughs> it was so beautiful. I loved it. Loved yeah. It. Yeah. So that really will be it. in the notes awesome. so people can check those out. That's awesome. Um, yeah, good. And where can we find you? You sent me a list of some places, but... Uh, off the top of your head, what are a couple things that you would want people to check out on your website or where, if they're listening right now on the spot and they're like, I want to go see what you're doing, <laughs> where should they go? Um, well, sanctuarytour.org is the website. Um, my Instagram is just under Kim Beller, and I also that's my personal Instagram, but I have more posts on that. My sanctuary tour uh, Instagram is sanctuary.tour.podcast. And um, as far as art goes, if anyone would be interested in art, which my art is, um, I would call it art and activism, you Mm -hmm. know, a lot of it, because it it either is coming to me from source, from spirit, you know, intuitively, if you you will, or it's um, directly linked to an animal Mm -hmm. or um, some kind of experience with one of my animal friends mm-hmm. and there are some prints for sale now on imprint um i think it's imprint.com but maybe you could put a link to directly mm-hmm. to my imprint page um because some of the prints uh the proceeds go to the sanctuary that i painted the animal of for example max the baby piglet that a woman is holding mm-hmm. um goes to arthur's acres and they're in um, New York okay. and um, Parksville, Parksville, New York. Um, Todd, the founder, is on the, on the podcast. And um, there's Amos the Cow at Catskill Sanctuary. Um, I was there volunteering with my friend Jean, and mm-hmm. um, one of her photographs that she took of Amos, I painted it and love Amos the Cow. We did cow brushing that day, which was awesome. <laughs> and also Kathy Stevens, the founder of Catskill, is on the same, um, the podcast as well. Um, so those, if somebody purchases those prints, there's also other animal prints and things, but um, if somebody purchases those prints, part of the proceeds go to the sanctuaries. Cool. I'm working on getting more and more up on that site. Um, KimBellerArt.com is my art. And I'm actually in the process of redoing that website. Hopefully it'll be up by the time your podcast airs. Yeah. Um, so those are the places. And the art and the activism will always be um, kind of around animals and around, um, you know, compassion. If it's not about animals, it's about kind of compassion kind of coming through from source. So, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I I know some people listening might be inspired to go check it out right now, but of course we'll put the links in the bio as well awesome. um, for all of those things. So if people return later, they can easily click and find those. Awesome. But thank you for sharing with us. I'm so excited to have you on and do it in person where we can look at each other and talk. Me and um, I'm so just excited to share your work and have people find out what you do and you know, there's so many parts to the animal rights world, 
And even if you're just getting into it or you're just hearing about it and you're not really a part of it, you'll realize that there's so many different parts with so many different feels. And your part, to me, just feels so refreshing. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, it really does. It honestly does. So oh, refreshing and um, nurturing. So I'm glad to share that side of this, too, because good, good. it's not always the case. I know, and I think it's important, if I could just mention... Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I try not to say anything negative. I really do. And I don't want to shine any kind of negative light on anything about sanctuaries or animal rights or anything like that. Um, the, you know, the group, the animal rights group of people, whatever yeah. you would say. And I think just um, anyone listening, you know, don't, if you heard something that sounded a little bit negative, please don't hold on to that. Go to the the beautiful parts and um it's not i think it's more important for us to just let all that be aside mm -hmm. and focus on the animals and um, what we need to do for the animals and also what we need to do for if we're talking about animals and oppression and all of that that goes into what's happening to them i think we also need to think about what can we do for humans as well mm -hmm. you know humans that um, are fighting still for equal rights and humans that are fighting for justice. And I think, you know, just to be there for all of... I would say just be there for the underdog. <laughs> yeah. Really. For and, all beings. And, and focus, yeah, for everyone. And focus on um, the good stuff, you know. Yeah. Focus on the good stuff and what you can bring to the table and just try not to ever focus on the negative stuff. But I don't... I didn't want to be dishonest and not bring No, I that think up, you did a great you know? job of <laughs> so, not, you know, and not yeah. gossipy, but just sharing the truth. Like, yeah, you know, the yeah. full picture, which mm -hmm. I think is so important. And I think that's... Yeah, well, I love talking to you because you can do that in a way where it's not, um, you know, a drag or anything like that. Yeah. So, thank you for that. Anything else you'd like to make the world a better place by leaving things better than I found it. You know, whether it be people or the planet or, you know, all kinds of things. Isn't there a quote that says, feel fear and do it anyways? Yeah. 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 So I think for us insignificance, we have to do it ourselves. A lot of people are doing things in their life that they're not completely happy with, mm -hmm. and they're doing it just because, you know, it's a norm, and they feel like they feel pressured by society. Definitely. Or they're just, you know, stuck in this rut, mm -hmm. and, you know, ruts can be comfortable for people. And they can be very comfortable. Comfort is not how you, how you grow as a person. <laughs> You told me, you was like, I really want to talk about your trip that you took your kids on. <gasps> I do want to. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Which was funny because I think you said that to me earlier. Yeah. And um, so for those of you listening, I'll just say Kaylin asked me about travel mm -hmm. and um, a while ago. And I said, you know, I've been to a lot of different places, like a lot of places. And unfortunately, not so recently because yeah. of COVID and moving and this and that but you know I've been all over the place you know the Caribbean Europe all you know all different places and um one of the things that I told you yes I love <laughs> is, this um when you were asking me about travel I said well when my kids were younger we bribed them <laughs> we pretty much bribed them um they wanted to go to Disney World is it Disney World or Disneyland in Florida? Whichever one's I'm not in Florida. Sure. Um, and a lot of their friends had been to Disney World, I guess, Disney World. 
Disneyland, whichever one's in Florida. And um, my husband and I, now, first of all, anyone listening, I don't have anything against Disney World or Disneyland, but I just felt like that's not really where we want to take the kids. I'd rather take them more on a kind of cultural, like something different that... Like richer Yeah, experience. maybe a little, you know, like not just see the Snow White and the all that and Cinderella and yeah. Mickey Mouse and, you know, the stuff that I just wasn't into. And that might be kind of selfish of me, but I was just like, let's do something more fun and different and... Well, so we took our kids to Costa Rica on a surf trip. <laughs> and so what we said was, would you rather go to Disney World, you know, because we could do that, like, anytime, and, or would you rather go to, like, out of the country to, you know, a whole other place and go surfing? Wouldn't that be fun to go surfing? And they both had kind of gotten into surfing, and we were, we all surfed, and so they were like, yeah, let's go to Costa Rica. And so we were just like, thank God. And um, so we went, to, we went to Costa Rica, and my kids surfed in Costa Rica, and we stayed, you know, with some friends that had a house there and just had the best time. But anyway, that was something I thought was funny because you said you wanted to hear about. Yes, I and, love that. And they both that's are, what you did. they're both grateful now. They're both like oh, really yeah. grateful that we took them to Costa Rica. And we've been a few times with them, and my husband's been multiple times. Um, but we've taken them on a few surf trips and out to California, you know, different places. And we never did Disney World, though. <laughs> Still to this day. But maybe one day they might want to go, like, if they have kids and take them. Or they might just want to go as adults. Who knows? But yeah. Anyway, I just thought it was funny that we were like, eh, no, nah, we're not doing Disney World. No, I we're won't. We're going to do Coast